Good morning. Hey, how are you today? This is Jim the Keys bartender doing a live show, drive time show. Well, I mean, it depends. It's a quarter of eight. You should be well on your way to getting to work if you're working today. So, we're in the midst. We're right here. We're at the May 19th, where most people with families have made their decisions. Now, when I say decisions, vacation decisions. And I'm the Keys bartender, and when I'm in vacation land, one of the vacation lands, obviously there's different places. I have friends from Wisconsin that have a place that's actually really good winter and summer. And I'm sure there's lots of them. There's the Jersey Shore. There's the Appalachian Mountains. There's out west. There's Alaska. There's people that go salmon fish in Alaska or all sorts of fish in Alaska. And they come down here too. People make their decisions. And we're going to talk about that a little throughout the whole show. And how I referenced the uh, fuck your couch thing was from a Dave Chappelle show. And it was, if you're familiar, Dave Chappelle's a comedian. And he had a show about... God, it's almost 20 years ago, maybe 17, 18 years ago. And during one of his shows, he used to have a recurring story. It's called Charlie Murphy Stories. And Charlie Murphy was a brother of Eddie Murphy. And he tells stories about how when Eddie Murphy was at his height and Charlie was one of those hangers on. And one of the funniest ones I always thought was, Rick James. Rick James supposedly showed up a lot in his heyday when both Eddie Murphy and Rick James were at their hottest. At their peak. At their peak of popularity, they met. <clears throat> and Charlie mentions that, uh, you know, Rick James had very little, I guess you would call it, uh, manners or, 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 I guess... I am at a loss for words right now, or a very would give very little meaning or empathy for people's possessions. Hence, he'd wear like dirty shoes and just climb all over his fucking couch, Eddie Murphy's new couch. And we say, fuck your couch, couch, I'm Rick James. And he'd do that with women and stuff like that, you know, got bitches and all that stuff. He says all that stuff. And I'm not saying a stereotype, that was just Rick James. And there's, I wish it was a white guy because I would have been able to do that. But it was this Dave Chappelle story. And pretty much Rick James was the paradigm of the the pinnacle of how not to be when you're a guest in someone's house. And Rick James, Rick James just show total like non- I don't even know what to call it. Consideration for somebody, some somebody's objects or time or something like that, and it—they're uh, the worst kind of guest. The worst kind of guests that don't respect where they are or don't have consideration for the people around them or their possessions. And I'm going to segue to that, but also on how people make their decisions. So, if you recall, we spoke about. It's almost a year since the Keys reopened. It was back right before, well, 
right around the time, within a week or two of, or a couple weeks of St. Patrick's Day, 2020, when things started shutting down in our neck of the woods, but they started going around. It changed quickly then, but quickly in the keys, and as a reminder for people I haven't listened to shows, they put a blockade, a checkpoint up on the stretch where we have a tether, our tether to the mainland is two roads, Cardtown Road and Route 1. And they leave directly out of Florida City. And what they did is they put a checkpoint. And if you didn't have legitimate business, you weren't working here or delivering things here or a resident of the Keys, you weren't allowed in. And it pretty much put the kibosh on the tourist industry. Now, the people that were down here who had long-term leases, <coughs> leases that uh, passed a month or so, they had to go. And they enforced it pretty good. They did it. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying, uh, even though I agreed that the whole, it was a, in the beginning, it was a good idea to see what was going on, not to have it rage down here. And we still had people trying to come in here. There were people that were shut out of the, during the quarantine, that decided to want to uh, knock out the bucket list. And they totally, totally were, ignorant of the restrictions and the things they had to do. So they came down and got turned around at the blockade. Eventually when we opened up, we were closed, uh, let's say two months. Two months. A week or two, maybe beginning of May, we had the checkpoint lifted. So it's almost a year. And then they started coming in. We opened up at 25, 50%. Some places we had a mask mandate for the county. If you were out and about inside a, a establishment, you had to have a mask and you were supposed to be certain distance. And we were just feeling things out, but we were opening up and people were coming down here. And <clears throat> we had a decent, we had a decent summer last year. And we, it was combined with it being, Restriction. Maybe there was less people total, perhaps, but we had less workers. So the at least the people that were in the service business, the less people working, the less people coming through. There's got kind of zero sum game. And in the beginning, people were very generous. Some of the people that were stuck and they made it out, and then we started getting different people that came in. People that just couldn't go anyplace else. They normally went to the Panhandle. Or someplace on the Gulf Coast or the Atlantic Coast, but they came down here. And we had that for a while. And people made their travel plans. And it was pretty much off suit. You know, everyone said, pretty much that's it. You're not going. We, my family and I, we were thinking about going to Poland last year and things stayed on. You know, when it started happening, the pandemic, we didn't know how long it was going to last. Everyone trying to put yourself back in the shoes. They they thought, well, there's an incubation period. And you thought everyone locking down for two weeks, that would be it. But a lot of people didn't realize that. that they were either, you know, there was a lag time, meaning people getting sick and not getting sick and all this stuff. It, it was a longer cycle than two weeks. It took months and months and months. And now we're finally getting at it where we are, 
In the Keys, we may have greater than 60% of the adults that are vaccinated. And there's a significant amount of the young people that are getting vaccinated, but there's a lot of people that aren't. And we, we only history will tell how that will work out and see what the people that are vaccine hasn't, how they felt, how they feel about it in the long term. But it's, it's shaping up this summer where, especially with this, this governor we have, he put a kibosh on any localities requiring businesses and locals to wear masks. Now, businesses can themselves do that. But I'm seeing down here in Publix where they decided to do it and they started to lift it and they, they're putting it out to their employees whether to wear the mask or not wear the mask. So we see it, we saw it over the, the transition in a week about that opening where people are wearing the mask. Same thing at the restaurant. We, we still have our signs up, but we don't really get on anybody about it. It's just one of those things we're just slowly weaning off, I guess. And I imagine in in a couple weeks, you won't be seeing that at all. Okay? But we're still probably going to get those people. There's going to be a smaller group of people, and it's going to be people that don't want to get the vaccine, but they also worry about COVID. And there are a group of people like that. There's people that don't want to get the vaccine and don't worry about COVID. And we will see, definitely see about what that will cause. But we are, I, we imagine that there's people say, well, just go down the Keys. They've been open. You know, they're not going to change. They haven't changed a bit. They're not, they're not putting a, they're not going to do that thing again with the checkpoint. So we know we can go there. But there's a lot of other places we're just waiting. And as I said earlier, my family and I want to go to Poland and we have property there and the wife and daughter are definitely going to Poland. But the problem is right now there's very tenuous information, meaning it doesn't specifically ban you from going to Poland, but it doesn't allow you. Originally, as of March, if you went to Poland or the beginning of the year, if you went to Poland, you were supposed to quarantine as soon as you got there, 10 days to two, uh, two weeks. Well, two weeks, my whole vacation I'm going to take. So I'm not going to go to a place I have to quarantine because I can just quarantine in this house and pretend I'm in Poland and just eat pierogies and kobasi. I don't drink vodka anymore or any liquor, so that wouldn't really help. And, you know, I guess I can get one of the, some goat cheese while I'm there. But that's pretty much all I'd see of Poland, what I'd see from a car. From the ride from the airport, wherever I'm quarantining, and then go right back. And then I have to get tested before I go back to see if I could arrive in the United States. So how, yeah, that wouldn't be so hot. So that's my decision right now in deciding. So with a lot of these places and people, what, when do you make your plans? People know around Christmas when we're going to Disney World, you know, we're, the Griswolds, when the Griswolds are going fucking vacation, they knew well before Christmas, or Clark knew well before Christmas that he was going to be going to Wally World and making the trip from the Chicago area to the West Coast, not realizing he was going to take their Aunt Edna, I think it was Aunt Edna, I'm not sure, 
and then to see the cousins and all that stuff and to see the all different things you're going to go and see, the biggest ball of twine and things like that. And I imagine people are making their decisions the same way right now. But Disney's been open for a little while, but they had restrictions. And you people say, I don't want to go to Disney if I have to wear a mask. Well, Disney can require anything that they want. They are a private business, same as Universal and things like that. And a lot of these companies, they use they, they do something different than a lot of states do. A lot of these companies do something states don't do. They take into account liability. Meaning, a lot of these people for companies, they may just think, well, there's probably like a 30% probability that these masks do nothing and 70% probability that they help. So they take the math and the science in hand and say, well, we're going to decide to go with the mask and that'll show that we're doing our due diligence so there's no breakout where people track, you know, when they track uh, the spread of an infection, they're going to say, well, it happened. Mainly all these people that caught this were waiting in line at the Pirates of the Caribbean ride in Orlando, outside Orlando at Disney World. And they were... They were all in contact and those swirly lines, which I imagine it's got to be hell. It's going to be hell like 90 degrees. You know, central part of Florida in the summer is freaking Africa hot. You know, when I say steamy hot, not like desert hot, not like you see in those Clint Eastwood movies where the cowboy movies where he's going across the desert with the cracked lips and all this stuff. No, this is where you're sweating, you're just soaked. Everything's wet. You know, 98 degrees, it seems like, or 100 something, and you're waiting in the sun, you're wearing a mask and stuff. It's got to be the worst thing in the world. But people know that they can go there now. Now, when you got a tenuous place like Europe, uh, different states, and they all have different rules, much like the United States, it's interesting that way. I, I spoke about this at one of my last trips, how, you know, you think you're going to the European Union and you you look at it as a model. European Union is like the United States of Europe. But there's actually more autonomy there between the countries. And the countries, it's funny how they call them, like in, in other parts of the world, when they mention states, they mean countries. In France, they don't have states, they have departments. It's kind of like a bigger section of a county, a bigger grouping of counties, and things like that. But in the United States, the states are kind of like, when they people hear United States across the Europe and the rest of the world, the con- concept is United Countries. I get it. I know. We think in the United States, we think United States. We replace states with countries when you go to other parts in countries. Because when you talk about terrorism, you call someone a terrorist and there's state actors and non-state actors. State actors are people that are sponsored by, you know, terrorist groups that are sponsored by like Iran. And that would call the state actor. If they're depending on how tightly control. And there's other terrorist groups that aren't tied to governments and they're called non-state actors. 
And that means you're not guided by a country. So the concept when you go to uh, we over over in Europe, they think of the United States, where the states are almost like separate countries. And then we go to Europe and we think of the countries as separate states. Therein lies the confusion. Where in the United States, the federal government has a pre in the Constitution elicits or enumerates all the rights and privileges that you have under the federal government and allows all the powers that aren't uh, detailed to the federal government reside among the state governments. And so on all the way down. Meaning murder is not necessarily a federal crime, but it's a state crime. It's all different things. and it's new. So <clears throat> we go over to Europe and we're thinking like it's a state. So, you know, you're Poland to Slovakia, both members of the European Union. Plus, there's no real checkpoints. They're, they can put up a checkpoint like we put up a checkpoint of Monroe County, but there's no boundaries anymore. There's just a sign. Just like you would see when you're leaving Delaware and going into Pennsylvania on the interstate. It says you are now leaving Delaware and you're now in Pennsylvania. You are now, you know, pretty much you're leaving Poland, you're entering Slovakia. Now, that border, you don't consider a hard border. But in many cases, they consider it a hard border over there. And I found out the hard way when I rented a car. And I went into Slovakia for five minutes. Meaning, the the wife took me into Slovakia, not realizing that there you know was an issue, but we went in there and she's all we're in Slovakia. I saw the sign. And I said, "Turn around." There wasn't much to see there. It looked pretty much the same as Poland. The architecture was a little different on the border, even though there was no. But the the houses were built differently, and the place we went into in in part of Slovakia, or was it Slovenia? Slovakia. I should know better than that, shouldn't I? The housing looked slightly more royal and the income looked a little less than the part of Poland we were leaving that was more of a resort area. So the housing was a little more upgraded there. That's where all the real estate money went into Poland. A lot of it, the higher end went, went to the section we're leaving. And the section they went to Slovakia was seen, could have been the lower end of Slovakia because you see different types of architecture and the types of buildings there and stuff like that. But when we went over there with a car for five minutes, eventually a month later, a month later after we did it, the rental company said, it's a $500 charge for going over the border. And I said, what border? It's the European Union. We did not leave Russia. We did not, we did not leave Poland. We did not go to, I mean, Union. We did not go into Ukraine or Belarus, or any of the non-European. No, no, you went to Slovakia. And that five-minute trip in Slovakia was a extra charge of $500. So that was, that was interesting. So you get, what I meant to say is they consider, even though you have their federal system of the European Union, but their states are, their countries are more powerful 
than our states. Their countries are more powerful than our states and their European Union, their federal government is weaker than our federal government. Even though they find the roads and all those stuff and they're supposed to do a equanimous distribution of resources that they contribute. Right? And we're finding out distinctly what the meaning of that is with the progression of Britain's exit from the European Union and what that means for them. It mainly, the, the main things are travel and trade and work. So if you have the ability to work in any part of the European Union, you should be able to, you know, you should be able to work in any place. So now with Britain leaving, you will need work permits. You need to, it's considered another country and things like that. You always see about the hard border in Northern Ireland because they share an island with a uh, member of the European Union, which is the Republic of Ireland in the South, and Northern Ireland is part of Britain. So we'll see all those things with vacations, and vacations are different in European Union. And last month, the chair of the European Union was suggesting that they were going to open up. Well, these local governments, these countries, such as Poland, they have not said anything. Because you're going to have to, you're going to have to deal with them. You're not when you're flying into Europe, right? You, if you fly into Germany, it's almost like you're flying to Germany. You are flying into the European Union because you're accepted in there. But once you fly, you fly into Germany. You go through the European Union laws and the German laws, which may be huge because they identify them. Because they're one of the leading powers, they identify themselves as more European because it makes sense for them. In Poland, they identify as more Polish and secondary as European Union citizens, and they'll be stricter with their rules, which vary somewhat from the other countries in the European Union. And that's the part that adds to, you know, the precariousness of deciding whether you're going to go. To Poland or not. So I don't know. My girls are going to go for about a month or more. And I might go for two weeks, but it depends upon what they decide to do. It's almost like, so I'm going to use the metaphor for how people end up getting, attracting people. It's kind of like a, let's use one metaphor as a prom date. Let's figure the European, the, the summer vacation is the prom. Right? It's the prom. It's a big thing because it provides extra income. It's fun and all this stuff. And in prom, it's the social part of being in high school. The best part. You worked really hard in high school. Supposedly, everyone should be able to graduate high school. I am so sorry if you weren't able to and you get a GED. But the one of the crowning events is the prom or summer vacation. Now, some people decide to ask people months before the prom. Let's say it's this weekend, which is kind of late for a prom season, but I'm going to say this weekend, which is the 21st or 22nd, right? If you had asked in February, early February, three months away, that's pretty good. Some people go even earlier, which is kind of crazy. 
but usually it's about two months to a month before that you ask your date. And even then, you got to be careful because then the tenuousness and, you know, the vacillations of teenagers' feelings for each other, really. I got, I think I got, for one of my prom dates, I had a nun ask me for, who was doing a lot of referencing for me, a nun, a sister, at the high school, sister high school of my boys' high school went to. She was the academic advisor, but she was giving me great recommendations. So I owed her big time. I still do. Sister Denise, I wonder if she's still alive. I should look for her, out for her. She'd be, Christ, how old is this? Sister Denise? She'd have to be in her 90s now, mid-90s if she was still around. I got to check. I got to check out. But how would I know? Ah, I could find. Why not? I got Sister Denise of Archbishop Bryan. Well, she asked me to take someone to the prom. And, and I didn't know who they were. I never met them. It turned out this girl was sick for a little while and stuff like that. Didn't really have it. And she wanted to make sure she had a date for the prom. I ended up taking that date. Now, that was right after Christmas when we came back. So I was already set up. And I had met like two, three girls since then. I was coming into my own. I met a girl at another high school. I met a girl at my own high school. And I had this girl I was committed to going to a prom, though never really having met her. I think I took her out for an ice cream and then took her out for a prom. But we didn't, you know, it was one of those things. So I was locked into the prom date. She had a prom date. Now, the other ones, my friends, they, the the one girl I, I went to my prom with, I met at another high school, and then, and then I was invited to the same prom I was committed to go to already two more times. But they didn't ask too early. They just, they didn't ask too late or early. I just got asked amazingly early. So I was locked down. Now I can imagine certain girls or guys that say, I'm going to wait till like a couple of weeks before. Well, yeah, there's some people available and stuff like that, making late moves. But that's like, that's musical chairs. You're, the later you go into musical chairs, and here I'm popping into another metaphor, as you remove the chairs, there's only one chair left. And there's two people. And there's only one person getting that chair. Same as a date. And the same thing as a tourist dollar. I mean, the later you wait... The other direction, people make decisions to go in another direction with their decisions. Whether it's on a date or a vacation. Especially the further you're coming, the more likely you are to make your decisions late. Now with the advent of advent of online booking for tourism and travel, people are more likely to say, well, I'm not really sure where I'm going to go. I, you know, If you're flexible, you're flexible. With most people though, that don't travel a lot, or it's a big event when they travel with the family. They have to commit earlier. The more people that are traveling, you know, especially with us, with because there's property involved and there's family over in the, the, the country they're going to visit, it's almost locked in. But they missed out last year because of COVID and now they missed out on everyone and everyone had to deal with that, all these countries. But this year they don't have to miss out. They don't have to miss out. The thing is, they could be making their decision real late. Now, they'll they'll get the people 
these countries that make the decision late, they'll get the people that are over there and say, well, we'll just pop on over here. There's some really good deals, late last minute deals. But when you're a resort town, right? And you're looking at hotels and you say, listen, we're, uh, the hotels are talking to each other in the restaurants and stuff. The restaurants know the last of what's going on. Hotels seem, hotels seem to, the higher end they're in, in the zone, seem to know earliest. And airlines do too. They know earliest what it's going to look like. Meaning if you're a very premium hotel, they know it's going to be a busy June right now or July. They might be able. It could get busy. Late. But the better the hotels, the more they know, oh, it's we got a lot of bookings for July and we're going to be incidental people booking, so we're going to be booked. They just say, well, we got 25% capacity left and even that probably would be disappeared pretty soon. No, right now, they could be like 75% capacity. Well, how are you going to hire people, right? You're going to hire people based on how busy it is. If you know two months ahead of it, you're not going to keep people on the, on the books. If you don't need them to work, you don't have the people. And then what happens? They decide to come anyway. Now you're in the situation where like we're in the keys because of the way the vagaries of people, uh, we use a certain type of itinerant employees, meaning people that show up for the season. And the people down here, like the rest of the country, blame it on the compensation they have or unemployment. But there's a whole lot money, more money you make in, in most of the vacation uh, jobs down here than you would off unemployment compensa- compensation. Yeah, it's expensive down here, but you make I make about two and a half times. Why? Why? I don't understand how these people can subsist on... Even, you know, it's, it's, I guess people can live on very little money. Down here, it's very hard to do that. So I think the kibosh happened down here, at least, was we don't, we don't have the people. The rents went up because real estate went crazy. And then we lost maybe 10% of seasonal employees because there's that, you know, fewer properties left to rent. And they went to more the Airbnb online rental direction. So it's it's just going to be, you know, it's just harder to get employees down here. So like I said, they know their bookings are coming out. There's a lot of these resorts down. If you're looking for a job in the middle of the Keys, in the Keys, now's the time to do it. All you have to do is find out. you got to have a living arrangement. That's the tougher part, but you'll be able to do it if you're decent with your money. You should be able to make decent amount of money down here. Back to Poland. So, I don't know. I was considering calling the embassy up, talking to them. and say, hey, can we talk to you on the air, maybe? I just want to know if I can come there this summer. I don't know. I can't book. So, the airline, I can't really book a ticket, not knowing if I'm going to be allowed to go out. And part of the thing is when I go when I go to Poland, I'd have no problem wearing a mask if I you know had to wear a mask if that's the requirement. Yeah, sure. I'm not going to be an asshole about it. Why would you? It's like going to it's like going to someone's house. If you went to their house, you knew 
You know, let's say you live in a place where half the people decide they don't want your shoes on when you're walking through their house because they have these floors that they don't want people tracking in with their shoes. They say, please take off your shoes when you come in the house. Some people have that, you know, especially in, in Eastern cultures. If you're a guest and you accepted to be a guest in your house, you're, they'll ask you and say, please take your shoes off. Now you have a point right there where you can have two things. And that's the only thing I have. You're invited in someone's house and it's their house. So if they ask you to take their shoes off, you have the chance to take off your shoes. Or explain why you can't take your shoes. These are orthopedic shoes. I can't walk without these. And my feet hurt. Yeah, you can say that. But other things, your decision is not to go there. But if your decision is to make as hard a thing, what do you mean I got to take all my shoes and cause problems for the person, person that came up with the policy? That's not up to you to do that. It's their house. They can do that. Same thing with shirts and pants. A nudist colony, no big deal. Oh, I see you don't have pants on. Well, that's all right. This is a nudist colony. But... If it's not a news colony and you're not wearing a pair of pants, they can say you can't come in. We require pants here. That's our rules, house rules. I understand that. And I guess maybe if some of these countries are really, they can't not let everyone in. They have to like say, well, U.S. did that when the last guy was president. They go and say, listen, we're these people from these countries We'll allow in those people, these people from these other countries, we're not going to allow in. Whether it's immigration or vacationing or whatever. So here, you know, I mean, you're pointing, you're picking your favorites and all that shit. And, you know, but most people say, listen, we're going to imply these rules to everyone else. But they know in their heads, they say, you know, the people have the hardest problems with uh, these rules. The Americans. The people that travel. But then, you know, the people that travel may be a little different. People that go to foreign countries, unlike their own. Not maybe the people that go to Mexico or Cancun or, or, why am I just, or the Bahamas, things like that. They may not, they may be a little different. There may be a different demographic of people that go to countries that are dissimilar from their own. When I say dissimilar, Mexico is a lot like us when it comes to the way they drink and party and all that stuff. In their resorts, same thing Bahamas. So Americans try to behave like Americans when they're in other places. They go to a different country. They're more likely to be more conducive with the local customs. Like go to Japan. You're not necessarily going to make a biggest stink to someone just because someone didn't give you a hand you a fork. You're prepared to use chopsticks. You know, but you could be an asshole and just say, hey, listen, I'm an, can't you see? I'm an American. Give me a fork and knife and all this stuff. You know, That's the ugly American at work. So we're hoping that we can make a decision when other people decide what the hard and fast rules are, the restrictions. And they say, this is what it's going to be for the rest of the summer. If it's going to be like it was, the rules we made at the beginning of the year with the two-week quarantine or 10-day quarantine, it's going to be the one that go all the way through this year. I made my decision. It's not to go. And if they say that could change, that's what makes it tenuous. And I, whether I get a vacation this year or not, it's one of these things. I don't count my operation as a vacation. 
that is not quality time when you're healing.